National Association for the Visual Arts is the peak body protecting and promoting the professional interests of the Australian visual arts. Nava in Conversation is a series exploring the issues and challenges of working in the sector. We speak with artists, curators and administrators to gain insight into the experiences of contemporary practice and seek to propose ideas for change, progress and resilience in both local and global contexts. I'm the Executive Director of NAVA and I'm here with Mami Kataoka. Uh, she is the Artistic Director of Sydney Biennale and we're sitting in Gallery 4A and you're going to hear some sounds maybe of installing, maybe of painting. Mami, tell us what's, what's happening here? Um, yes, uh, 4A is one of the seven venues for mm. uh, 21st Biennale Sydney and uh, 4A became uh, our partner venue for the first time in the history. Oh, that's great. And so we are showing two artists, Akira Takayama and Junyan, and both are investigating the idea of uh, migration, refugee, and uh, the cultural, um, how culture had been sort of came together with the people. And so it's uh, something in common, but uh, two different projects. And that's really central to, to what you're doing with um, to position that, that there might be something in common, but there's there's a contrast and mm -hmm. a tension. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that because I'm I have long been fascinated with the concept of thermodynamic equilibrium. Mm -hmm. I'm fascinated by this idea that when we see some kind of system, a chemical system, a mm -hmm. weather system, any mm -hmm. complex system, when we assume that it's at equilibrium. Mm -hmm. That is um, perhaps how it seems from a distance, but if we come up close, mm -hmm. then we're seeing the greatest movement and the mm -hmm. greatest exchange, the mm -hmm. greatest generative tension. Mm -hmm. Tell me about how, how you arrived um, at this for the framing for mm -hmm. Sydney mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. Yes, the uh, idea of um, superposition, which I'm borrowing the word from uh, quantum physics. Mm -hmm. and uh, But before that, I was I had been interested in this idea called Wuxin. It's from Chinese ancient uh, natural philosophy, but sort of embedded in uh, all, uh, ba basically all these uh, East Asian culture, Japan, Korea, and Taiwan, and how different elements like fire, wood, water, metal, earth, these five fundamental elements of the universe is sitting at, in a reciprocal relationship so that no one is stronger than the other, the one either killed or killed by others. But uh, that's the way how whole uni universe is continue um, changing and uh, keeping that sort of good balance of everything. So uh, that's quite an uh, Asian perspective to have no hierarchical relationship and a more sort of horizontal flat relationship. And uh, I had been interested in how that could be um, applied to a uh, social system and in, in our daily life. And then I started to uh, encounter with this uh, physician from uh, Denmark called uh, Niels Bohr. 
and he was one of the important figures for the quantum physics in 20th century. But uh, I learned that he was interested in Eastern philosophy, like yin and yang, because it's reciprocal uh, interdependent relationship. But that is exactly what he was talking about and what this quantum physics was talking about in terms of the fact that in smaller world, as you said, in a big picture, you don't see it. But if you go into micro world, all these uh, tiny uh, matter, like electrons and atoms, um, you cannot really define either they are uh, particles or wave and uh, so they change the status or you cannot really sort of observe visually by human being so uh, that's something I was super interested in how uh, the whole world of the physics uh, something quite philosophical and something that uh, most sort of um, advanced uh, science of physical world was connected with the idea of uh, age and perspective. So uh, that's how it all, everything came about. And uh, I, I, I think this idea of somehow uh, colliding or contradictory or um, the multiple value coexisting that could be uh, applied any level, like um, your relationship with a boss or, or a relationship with, between a country or even the idea of land ownership, particularly in this country, like land ownership by the Aboriginal people, but also uh, covered by this Western modern idea of governing the whole land. And uh, that similar set of relationship you can find all around the world. This, I think, is terribly important. And it's such a, I think, in a range of different realms, in the arts, in, in, in politics, but certainly in the media, mm. there is such a tendency to want to simplify down and abstract away mm -hmm. those mutual interdependencies that you mm -hmm. talk about, that, that reciprocal mm -hmm. relation. Mm. I think that's one of the really powerful roles of art itself, isn't it? Just yes. to be able to expose mm -hmm. that there is um, a live set of, of relations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think uh, events like this, like this huge-scale um, Biennale, is not only just bringing art and artists from around the world and juxtapose with Australian art scene, but more importantly, particularly probably after globalization and maybe after 90s, that so many art had been produced in a different part of the world. So uh, by collecting them into one place, that suddenly the Biennale becomes sort of microcosmic place of the whole, whole world or maybe whole universe and then you see how different and each people are and then how different uh, their contexts are. So by reading the works and also context then you start, you uh, um, continuously force yourself to rethink, reassess your way of thinking. So uh, by encountering all these differences and multiple um, layers of understanding of the whole world, then uh, it's, I think it's a really important sort of uh, psychological training in a way um, to think um, you are just part of the whole thing. And you are not in the center of anything, and nobody is the center. Everyone has its own center, but in relationship with others. So, uh, yeah, it, it goes to these uh, often asked question. So, mommy, what is the 10 best artists in the Biennale? <laughs> 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 or 
can you choose one best artist from each venue? <laughs> so I said, uh, no, I, I said no to those questions because they all exist in relationship, in reciprocal relation with other works. So that makes sense by having them all together. And uh, they can exist as a solidarity or the independent, but uh, it gives you more meaning and more joy of understanding different thinking by putting them together. That more meaning and more joy, I yeah. think, is absolutely crucial because mm. in the way that you describe um, those relationships, the seven venues, and then the person, the person, mm -hmm. um, the audience member mm -hmm. uh, by themselves, perhaps with the group, moving between those, they of course then become a part of that system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And one of the things that has always fascinated me about, if we think about the difference between, say, a festival and a uh, biennale, um, a festival, in a sense, makes art public. It creates a program and then it offers that program. Mm -hmm. It invites someone mm -hmm. to look at, well, what was the framework behind this program? Mm -hmm. What's the curatorial principle? And in the sense of venues being brought together, outdoor spaces, different experiences, mm -hmm. for this particular duration, mm -hmm. there's a sense in which that entire program is now public. But uh, Biennale, in a sense, makes art political because in exactly the way you describe, it brings together artists from around the world, artists who are grappling with some very pressing and open-ended, irresolvable, great big questions. And so the program of a Biennale, I think, makes a political contribution, mm -hmm. if we understand political not as to do with political parties, but mm -hmm. as the public, as the yep. civic. Mm -hmm. So how, how do you see your role in, I guess, framing mm. what is politically or civically engaged mm. about the entire program mm. as such? I think it's a very, very interesting question, particularly as your position of NAVA, because uh, um, actually I'm showing uh, quite a lot of uh, archives from yes. uh, 45 years past. Which is so history. important for a long time. Yes. For that, yes. And, and particularly in 1970s and 80s, when the uh, status of Biennale wasn't established. So uh, we are particularly focusing on that time and uh, trying to show, like, 1979 was the first time that Aboriginal artists were shown from Arnhem Land, and then also there are a whole movement of feminism movement, and then also particularly between 1976 and 1979, second and third Biennale, they were discussing a lot, including uh, local arts community and an artist and then all this <coughs> uh, group of people who are gathering in the city and inviting uh, uh, Franco Belgiano Nettis, the founder of the Biennale and all these artistic directors and uh, what is the role of a Biennale and what does it bring to the city and what is the balance between men and women artists and all these questions that we are still asking and uh, so that was a very important uh, time uh, for the city and then also for the Biennale itself. And then I think uh, having Biennale format now is completely different environment because they used to had no uh, MCA, they used to had no uh, art space, no 4A, no carriage marks. So it was a super important opportunity for the local art community to have artists all around the world. And now Sydney is, I think, quite 
has a quite fruitful um, infrastructure for contemporary art to show uh, international art. So uh, I thought it's important to look back how it had developed together with the development of the institutions. But at the same time, um, now it's more like a festival so that everyone has to come in as an institution, as a director of the museum, but they cannot think only about their institution. You have to think bigger to have this holistic view and balance between different institutions because different institutions have a different role in the city, what they bring. And it's, I think it's kind of sensitive balance amongst them so that they don't really super overlap, but that they have a particular role. And, uh, but also using a venue like Cockatoo Island, which is very important for even for the local people who not many people had gone to Cockatoo Island. I asked around, have you been to Cockatoo Island? And quite a few people know I've never been. Often they don't know what, what it is or that it exists. Yes, yeah. so it's important to give that awareness, but also give completely different experience from what they have in the museum space. I think that's vital, especially the way you describe that. My mind is now just reeling with all the differences between the conversations that would have been had in the 70s and 80s and the mm -hmm. conversations that are being had now. And in some ways, for example, our conversation around feminism has moved and swung and come back and it's extremely pressing at mm -hmm. the moment. Mm -hmm. And then also the conversation around um, the way that venues and institutions, what their influence is on the city and how that is either disrupted or um, enhanced, brought together in different ways by the Biennale. Mm -hmm. I imagine there's conversations that you foster that it's just not possible or practical for many of those institutions to mm. have with each other mm. year round. Mm. Now, actually, this evening, all the directors from MCA Art Gallery, Art um, Carriage Works, and Art Space, they're coming together and then discuss. Oh, so it's, it's that even that kind of occasion is mm. quite rare that they don't normally get together in the public and talk talk about the importance of their own personal experience of the Biennale. And that's going to be great <laughs> because it's just any kind of situation mm. where we can critically reflect. I think. Is, um, is very valuable, but one that then casts that reflection out into what continues to make a city is, is terribly important. Mm -hmm. And another thing that has shifted for Sydney during that time has been this sense of what makes a city in terms of its smaller and vibrant spaces. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of conversation mm -hmm. around the nighttime economy, yeah, yeah, yeah. around um, fears, around mm -hmm. uh, violence and a very heavy-handed approach that is closing down certain local mm -hmm, places. Mm -hmm. How is your experience of, I guess, Sydney as a place for being open to cultural experiences? Mm. How does that relate to other places where you've worked around the world? I think um, yeah, something I felt very different is uh, the history of the city and also history of the country because I come from the, the country's long history, yeah. <laughs> sort of a continuous history. And uh, so uh, to really think how um, people from Europe first came and uh, it's just amazing, must have been amazing experience. And how could human beings build the whole city in 
230 years, and uh, which was quite amazing. But um, I think now city has been doing quite a lot of cultural events, um, not only visual arts, but also I was talking with Wesley from uh, Sydney Festival. And what he's doing is again, in terms of the media, that uh, performances uh, somehow overlapping with the visual art because we also deal with uh, the performing arts and um, also using the same space like a carriage works. And uh, uh, Katharina Grosse is having a great installation at uh, Carriage with all, all these things. So we were just talking yesterday morning that uh, not only the museums, but also um, Sydney Festival and then all other different uh, sort of interdisciplinary relationship could be enhanced so that uh, we can look at uh, art and culture in Sydney in a much wider lens. And uh, I know that City of Sydney is also doing quite a lot for architecture, design, and then also I know they're inviting a few Japanese architects and then also um, the artists to do something in the city as a public art project. So uh, yeah, I feel that a lot of things are going on, but uh, I thought it's much less opportunity to see it as a whole, to have a holistic view for the general public, because everything comes one after the other. So uh, it's all bits by bits, but you don't see it as a whole. Yeah, it can be, any city can be a quick succession of things, though as you say, of course, it's, the, it's, it's that relation and that, um, I'm, I'm stuck on this phrase now, that, that reciprocal um, uh, uh, interdependency, I think, is, is vital. And just thinking about history of Sydney, as you say, there's a, you know, a certain uh, European civil layer that's been added, and then, of course, a history that is older than we can possibly imagine, you know, the, the, the longest mm. continuing cultures. And you mentioned earlier just how important um, First Nations artists have been to your program. Um, how have you valued, I guess, having those conversations and, and working with First Nations artists mm. and framing your, your thinking? Mm. Yeah, actually, I was already interested in uh, Indigenous artists in terms of the way that they um, appreciate the nature because I had been uh, interested in uh, the perception of nature in a different culture and civilization and uh, how they depict all these invisible um, spirits and then also an ancestor spirits but also the water line and uh, the, the energy of the land uh, transforming into the painting was just fascinating so uh, um, I wasn't really sort of it, it, it wasn't very comfortable for me to divide indigenous artists and non-indigenous artists. I just dealt with them as an artist. And uh, as I do for any of the artists, I just approached the artists who I think would be interesting. And, uh, but also I uh, valued a lot of um, uh, institutional collections because I work with MCA and an art gallery. They do have a specialist and then they do have a collection over the course of the years. So I thought it's just um, simply silly to come in as a foreign um, the artistic director not knowing anything and then try to do something from the scratch. <laughs> so uh, I, uh, yeah, I, I look at the website and also I discuss with some people and I just found marvelous pieces in the collection. And, uh, but not only indigenous works, but also uh, non-indigenous works that I pulled out 
a few works from the collection so that um, Biennale doesn't really become um, like a visiting show, but it's find uh, again reciprocal sort of jointly between the collection and the Biennale. This also makes me think of, you know, when you talk about um, digging into those collections, understanding the history, and um, I think it's terribly important um, for any festival, but for a Biennale in particular, to really draw on the history of, of its place, but also of, of its own history mm -hmm. as a Biennale. Look at the conversations mm -hmm. that, that, have been, that have been fostered. Mm -hmm. um, because as you say, it doesn't exist just as an inert, it doesn't just fly in, it, it, it comes to a space with histories and song lines and mm -hmm. then it contributes something, changes us all. Mm -hmm. And something that um, will be uh, re recent in people's memory in thinking about the political impacts of the, um, the previous Sydney Biennale mm -hmm. is of course um, the action that was taken by artists mm -hmm. um, in um, protesting against Transfield's relationship mm -hmm. with, with the Biennale mm -hmm. which had all sorts of results including changes in, in board members and chairs mm -hmm. but also in Australia this had quite an extraordinary and very unexpected impact in changes to arts funding and policy. I know. Where it was, um, you know, I guess we like to think that it's not so straightforward, but it's been interpreted by many commentators that the minister's response was perhaps um, either vindictive or was a response to even being a bit outraged mm -hmm. that artists could have that much power mm -hmm. as to express values mm -hmm. that are shared by so many people. Mm -hmm. So I guess and there's uh, so much I'd like to ask you about that because mm. it's something that um, in terms of the, the political impact that, that an artist can mm. have, mm. It's, um, it's, it has been really big for the way that cultural policy exists in Australia. Mm. But for you coming in as the artistic director following this, mm. how, how conscious have you been of finding those clear ways to foster the voice of the artist mm. as well as balancing um, your other relationships and and I guess what the Biennale means for the public and, and, mm. and, for, the, and, and for the culture. Mm. Yeah, I think I have to say that I, I'm not 100% supportive for any artist because it's artist. I don't support any art because it's art. And uh, it has to be meaningful. And uh, so, so uh, you just cannot say you're an artist and you have a power to change the society. I'm so skeptical about art can change the world. Mm. So I'm always yeah. looking at how, and you have to do it really cleverly. So uh, um, that incident, the transfield, had again two sides. It's super positioned. If you see, you, if you have different position and then you see a different landscape, you see the different story. And, uh, but I, I had been questioning what had actually changed. And uh, it, I mean, artists could make, or anyone at the moment with this social media, they can make fuss around something, but uh, as a result, what do you get? And what is your achievement? And then I had a big question on that. And uh, so one, one thing that I wanted to do was um, to look at its own long history 
and also contribution of the Bejolanetis family. It is enormous contribution. It is enormous. It should not be just deleted in one incident. It's, I thought it was quite unfair uh, in terms of the weight of the engagement and commitment. But also, I totally agree with the difficulties and problem of how Asim Sika being de uh, dealt and uh, these in terms of human condition as a general. So I completely support the idea of that as a whole, not as a nation, but as a, as a human being, you need to do something about this human crisis. So uh, that theme came as one of the major issues in this Biennale, that having Ai Weiwei and um, Tiffany Chon and quite a few people, and then also uh, this place, Akira Takayama and Junyan, all of them are dealing with this issue, partly as um, uh, partly from their own experience, life experience. Like June immigrated from China to Austria in the 1970s. And uh, Weiwei was also as a family exiled to Xinjiang district in the 50s. And uh, so it, it's not about only about Australia. And then now, the same thing, same set of model, or same set of uh, irrational events happened any part of the world at any time of the history. So that's important to, to think that you don't only look at the one point, and you don't only look at the connection between Transfield and uh, this Nauru and Manus Island, but it's a much bigger issue. And how can we solve the bigger sort of entanglement? And uh, I think artists or art, what we have to be a little bit wise than just, uh, just a direct reaction to that. That's so intricate, just the way you've put that, that um, the set of relationships are really complex and sometimes, you know, when you feel disempowered, you can point to one thing or one relation um, and we know from the consequences that, um, that the company and the family gave a lot of thought to all of their um, uh, investments and the range of things that they're, that, that, that they're involved in. Um, but of course, the Australian government seems to have just um, taken, you know, an even harsher approach. And so, this is one of those things where it is absolutely essential that artists, but also everyone, um, continues to investigate what it is that um, that we value and what it is that we abhor. Mm -hmm. um, but I also want to go back to what you said about because I'm I'm, I'm intrigued by this because I. I, I agree, but I want to think about it some more. This notion that art isn't going to change the world just by being art. Mm. And sometimes we have this notion of a sort of a state of exception mm. around the artist, mm. around the figure of the artist. Mm -hmm. And perhaps that's because we admire the audacity that someone can commit to the rigorous development of a practice. Mm. Or sometimes it's because we create an environment, a gallery, a platform, a, a festival around the artist. But of course the work must still be compelling. Um, tell me more about that, the, the, the difference between just being an artist and creating a work. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's just very sort of, it's a subjective judgment, mm. but um, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just uh, simply not a pure believer of art for art's sake. <coughs> and um, yeah, it just has to be compelling. It has to have a power to change something. 
the, our recognition and society or anything, but uh, good art has that power, but not everything. So, um, yeah, I'm not sort of innocent believer in art, but I, I'm probably pretty critical and skeptical about the, those questions. And uh, that's why I continue seeking for uh, the works that will convince me and uh, that will change my way of looking at the world, my way of thinking, and I can learn something from those art, and that's, those are the ones that I collected for the Biennale. It's a really high bar to set for ourselves, isn't it? Like that's um, to, to see a work that is going to change the way that we view the world. Mm -hmm. um, I think that is that in itself is a generative and transformative experience. Mm -hmm. Is that what drives you in terms of thinking about the, the audiences for the Yes, Vietnam? yes, I think that they can all have the same experience and uh, coming from a different background. So uh, it's a relationship, again, it's a reciprocal between what you have already and what you see in front of you. So that's kind of chemical um, uh, transformation, but it's all different from you to other people. So, um, yeah, you, you just come and experience, but to see how you could go around to different spaces and even this space with two works, you can compare with two works and then and going to other venue and then you start thinking or realizing some connection between this work and another, another work in another space. So you will start seeing how um, things are connected. But this is just a microcosm of the whole world. So then you start seeing how world is all related, time-wise and historically, but also spatial relationship, like geography, is all related. But one thing I can tell you about this Akira Takayama's project is called um, Our Songs. Sydney Kabuki project and uh, so on 28th of January we hired uh, Sydney Town Hall, Centennial Hall uh, where you make a declaration of being an Australian citizen and sing an Australian anthem. So we invited uh, nearly 70 people who had uh, different background and uh, or indigenous background to be able to sing their song uh, carried from ancestors and family and uh, sing a cappella alone on the empty empty hall. So they were singing towards the, the dead and the ancestors' soul. Then, um, um, and it was quite impressive to see out of 70 people, uh, there were more than 30 different languages. And uh, that's the beauty of this city and how much of this overlapping diversity has embedded in this city. And uh, once you see people singing with love and integrity, and that's quite a powerful message. And that could uh, change something and uh, the way of thinking and the way you see the city. Because uh, if you are in CBD, you don't see much of that diversity. And uh, because a lot of people live in Western suburb or like other suburbs. And so as a visitor to Biennale, it's a very interesting way of understanding, entry point to understand the whole uh, dem demographic of the city. And uh, it's going to be a really beautiful piece.
Well, I can't wait to experience it. We've been, we've walked, I walked through there earlier, and I'm sure that um, everyone listening has heard the clamours of sounds. There's painting going on, there are things being shifted. Uh, we're very grateful for Gallery 4A letting us sit here for a little while. Tell me, Bunny, just, um, I've been thinking a lot about um, not just um, the, the kind of artistic and the political aspects mm. of, of Biennales, but also um, what focuses our attention as audience members and something that you just uh, described about you know, being in a group with that many different languages also makes me think that of course you can be uh, two people together at a venue and have two very different experiences mm -hmm. of the same work but mm -hmm. then you can also leave and come back and yourself have mm -hmm. two very different experiences mm -hmm. um, of, of the one work. Mm -hmm. um, um, earlier you talked about um, art and a Biennale framework makes meaning as well as making um, uh, you know, that sense of the negotiation mm -hmm. of our values. Um, how important it is to you to create a sense of, I guess, <coughs> openness, even even confusion, to really open up um, an audience member's eyes and heart? Hmm. Hmm. I think probably it's all up to them. And, uh, but it, it, this is just a unique opportunity to be able to see on 69 works, or 69 works by 69 artists, all at once. But it's just a lot of um, effort that you have to make to go through. So uh, something good for the local is that you can come back and uh, as a visitor, you have to do it everything in three days, and they're, they're planning and come like, dive into city and looking <laughs> so through the Biennale. So intense. But uh, and then I think um, you are overwhelmed with too many information, visual and also contextual information. So uh, you can enjoy, come back and go, and because it's all free event except a couple of performances at the uh, Opera House. So uh, I think it'll be interesting to see how you see. A and then go to carriage works and probably come back later time and so you you have a different set of experience and um, yeah the cockatoo island is completely different experience in terms of the scale but also carriage works has a massive works that can only happen in that space and um, so it's again interesting contrast between your experience in a museum. You're supposed to be in an art art space, and uh, but Cockatoo Island, which is non-art space, non-art institution, but it has a heavy history of the the, the land itself. Mm. So you can all start connecting with the history of that island, and uh, actual works are in that place, like uh, I always like big boat, six meters long um, rubber boat is inside of this industrial precinct they, where they used to make a boat. So uh, that kind of connection that I have sort of prepared. So uh, it's, I think it's not difficult to find those connections. Oh, I think so too, and, 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 that, and that sense of finding those connections can be artistic and aesthetic, it can be political, it can be historical, exactly, yeah. um, and I like this sense that of course the Biennale, because of that length of time, um, is something that inhabits the city, that you can inhabit and keep coming back to, mm -hmm. um, and it also makes me think of um, um, what is the sense of a work 
and of numerous works that you have seen and experienced over time that, that inhabit and become part of you because the, the eye of the mm. curator, the director mm. in this context mm. is so complex mm. um, for all the reasons that you've just described. There is so much more going on in your choices and your determinations mm -hmm. than, than, than what is compelling. Um, there are such subtle um, negotiations and, and distinctions. Tell me about a time maybe, you know, a long time ago, 5, 10, 15 years ago, mm. when you were just starting to have a sense of your own scope broadening for what you wanted to present, the juxtapositions that you wanted to make uh, and the tensions that you wanted to animate for people. Um, is there a particular um, project or turning point where you began to think, I guess, on a global scale about what you could present as a curator or as an artistic director? Was it a political motivation, mm. ethical motivation? Mm. What started that, sh that shift in perspective for you that has mm. now become so complex and so holistic? Um, probably there wasn't specific project or moments, but it's, it's more like a accumulated experience, particularly from the artists, because I always work with the artists in conversation, and uh, so uh, I think uh, the, all the artists that I had worked with had been my mentors were teaching me a lot, so that it accumulated my way of thinking and uh, broaden, broadening my perspectives. And then also I visited many places to meet those artists. And uh, for this Biennale too, that uh, I sort of decided at the very first uh, earlier stage that I should meet the artists at the place where they work. So instead of, it's now it's possible to just go email and uh, never meet the artist until opening or maybe <laughs> even after the opening. But uh, for me it's important to understand why this person is making this work now, why, from where. So um, uh, for instance when, when I do solo exhibition, I even visit the artist and artist parents and family and ask all these Oh, that's intriguing. The, the questions, yes. and uh, I visited uh, India for four times to do Ennis Harsha show, and then also to do um, Southeast Asian show last week. I traveled through 10 ASEAN countries for 16 cities over two and a half years to really understand the climate and history and economy and all of that um, to until I become a little bit confident to be able to talk on their behalf to the public. So, um, um, yeah, I think it, this physical experience and also analog relationship, old-fashioned relationship with the artist is so important. And, uh, yeah, because what I can do is really limited. So uh, I just wanted to be... Um, honest about what I know, but also how can be can I be the best vehicle to bring something from third person to another third person because the curator and also the exhibition is again this connecting point, connecting platform 
so that you have to understand both in a good way so that you can find a good journaling system. This intrigues me. I mean, that's then your approach and, and your role as an element in that thermodynamics, perhaps also the container, the condition, um, and in particular that, that honesty uh, and that, that right to speak on another's behalf. Um, is of course only something that we can negotiate with, with really great care. I think that's, um, I think that's a really um, important insight into mm. your approach. And then I think it's important to know that uh, there is a limitation. Yes. As a one human being, you just cannot go to all the five continents and uh, you cannot sort of uh, conquer the world, but you don't have to. So uh, my approach was only sort of intuitive way that how everything moves around and uh, so my curatorial approach is also um, I don't often start for myself and uh, I'm more inspired by sort of chemical reactions with one artist and the other artist and third artist started look like these artists look so interesting together. Mm. So, uh, and then uh, I start having this uh, conceptual background. Then, uh, and when it becomes solid, then I can start adding few more artists. So, uh, it's very organic and uh, it's very analog. And I have to write down things on a paper, and, <laughs> <laughs> and I have to do the doodle or the, or the floor planning, and that's the best way for me to work. Well, now I'm just intrigued imagining all the, all the doodling and the writing that everyone who comes to Sydney Biennale will have as they respond. Um, it has been really fantastic to get to talk to you, especially knowing that we're installing in the next room. Mm. The Biennale opens very, very soon, and then we'll have a good few months to yes, enjoy it. Yes. So I just wanted to add one last please. sentence about this um, uh, role and power of the artist. Um, I'm not denying what they do. I mean, it's, it's, it's um, um, I think um, their intention is very important. And uh, intention to try to change the world is extremely important. And, uh, but I just wanted to say that I'm, I'm not simply believing everything is fine. Oh, I think that's, I think that's important, but it's also, you know, the intention to change the world is one of the most powerful drives we have as human beings. Mm. And sometimes we feel it as children and then it vanishes. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we feel it in our particular roles, in our jobs, whatever they might be, and then it vanishes. And I think something that um, we admire so much in, in artists is that that tenacity, that, that perseverance, um, that's not just about a drive to change the world, but it's also about spending, you know, two or three months or 10 or 20 years focused on the rigor of one set of techniques mm. or yeah, yeah, a tradition. Yeah, exactly. And that is, I think, um, you know, if, if I was to make a case for the exceptionalism of the artist, mm. it would be about that tenacity and the rigour. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I also want to know that um, a work in particular has got its situatedness, mm. that, it is, um, that it's compelling us, I guess, to consider not only the conditions of its creation, mm -hmm. but our own constitution, our own identity. Mm. And that's, I think, what fascinates me in particular about 
the way that you describe those interdependencies, the chemical reaction, that something happens to you physically mm-hmm. when you engage with mm-hmm. the work, that we're not inert to the power of the right. artist. Yeah, I, I also probably, I could add the few artists who are over 70 years old and so are, are in my list because they're just so impressive. The things that they have been continuously doing for 30, 40 years mm-hmm. and it's just compelling. And uh, I think a Biennale used to be something for young and up-and-coming artists who is newest from around the world. But now, if you compare with young, short career artists, with 70 years old artists, with 30, 40 years career, and determined, continuous, and consistent, it's just so impressive. And so I'm bringing back few artists who used to be in the, the former Biennales, like a Lily Dujuri, who is 76 years old from Belgium, and she was in, in the Biennale in 1980s, and uh, the, the, this is her second visit, she just arrived yesterday, and doing a work from 1972 and then also 1997. And also the other artist, Miriam Khan, who was in 1986 Biennale, and uh, her work at the time was acquired by the museum, the Art Gallery New South Wales. So she's, she's showing 10 new body of paintings together with four drawings from 1980s in the collection. So that's sort of conversation within us, herself, but you can see that consistency, but also dynamic changes at the same time. I have to say, this is one of the things I'm most excited about because I think Often, particularly for, for festivals, less so than, than uh, biennales, but um, there is too often this sense of just synchronic time as opposed to the long term and the, and the, 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 the diachronic. Mm. You know, the, the biennale will be here for a good couple of months. But if we only reflect on the here and now, then um, we're sort of perpetuating, I guess, some of the um, that, that risk of the shallowness of critique that mm. we see in, for example, the daily media mm. or the rapidly disposable mm. um, responses in social media mm. and in the contemporary political times where the media landscape is, is shifting, we desperately need those uh, opportunities and, and that, that, that push, that compulsion to look back and engage with, with deep time to listen to and, and hear from our mm. elders. Mm. And then, uh, you know, we have that experience, that chemical reaction we leave. And we're not just a body in space and time. We're part of a complex system that mm-hmm. is as old as, you know, the time that, that we can imagine. Ah, Mummy, thank you. Thank You've you very much. you a lot to think about. Great. As, as will the Biennale. Thank you. Thank you very much. Head to our website visualarts.net.au for more information on NAVA's advocacy and campaigns for improving the working environment for Australian artists and arts organisations.